Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you for having me and us this morning. Um, my name is Ryan. I, uh, I actually grew up in Exeter, so I'm, I'm a Huron County guy. Um, so it's, it was like a homecoming for me on our drive here this morning. Uh, I was pointing out and showing sights and and my history to my daughter as we came. Um, She's going to kill me for mentioning her, but uh, um, yeah, we, we, uh, it was a really like a homecoming to come back. And uh, I'm I'm coming today from By Peaceful Waters. Um, We are a counseling agency. Many of you, probably most of you will know Diane, um, who who works with us there. And, uh, and I came some, when was it in November, maybe Diane? Um, to, to meet with the leadership of the church and just connect with them as I am stepping into a new role. Um, privileged enough to, to get to walk alongside and uh, work with people at By Peaceful Waters. And so um, the, the, Diane had asked if I would come back and share a little bit about what we do. And then she said, will you, will you preach this morning as well? I'm happy to do that. And, and now we're blessed enough at the end of this to do a, a Q&A if, for anyone who may stick around. Um, I want to give you a little piece of our history and tell you where we're at right now and what's going on with By Peaceful Waters and, and just affirm the partnership that, that we have with you guys here. Um, and and I, I don't have a lot of time to do this, so I'll be really quick. But um, we, uh, we started 23 years ago. Our, our founder, Janine Schultz, uh, was working with a counseling agency and um, she felt led and called by God. And at the time, she, she, her, both her and her husband had a vision about a retreat center. God said, I, I want you to build a retreat center. And she said, okay, well, I'm, I'm open to that. And that was in 1994. And it wasn't until 2000 that she started things here. And um, it, it looks nothing like a retreat center right now, what we're doing. Um, we, we have uh, counselors, um, but, but Janine was faithful to God's calling in that. And she, she built this thing. And, and as she sat in her office one day, um, she was praying. Uh, for, for her clients and, and for the work that God had called her to, and, and her, she had some clients come with her. The clients were starting to drop off. She said, God, you, you called me away from this secure and stable job and into this, uh, this new thing, and um, there's, there's no clients. What am I going to do? And, and as she was praying, she felt God prompt her, don't, don't pray for the clients. I want you to pray for workers. And it seems absolutely contradictory. She's like, I, I, need, I need people to come. I need, I need people to work with. But God called her to pray for workers. And he said, the fields are white and ready for harvest. And the workers are few. And Janine was faithful to that call. And she prayed, you know, miraculously that God would bring people. And, she, and, and God, through the years, has brought people. God brought Diane. Uh, for one, but but we have a team of about 30 therapists right now working with us, and uh, God, God has used us to go out um, and through through this beautiful planning of God, there was a church in Exeter, actually where I grew up, 
um, that was sending people to meet with Janine. And um, the church said to her, hey, Janine, listen, we got about five or six people. Why don't you come drive to our place? Spend a day, we'll give you an office. You can meet with people in our church. We'll provide that for people. And then, um, and then you can go home. And, and so she did that for years. And she did Exeter. She, she drove, I don't know whether she ever came here. Did she? Janine, Janine was here. She, she traveled all around southwestern Ontario um, providing this and, and established these partnerships with churches. And this is one of the churches that, that has partnered with us through the years. And so we are so grateful for what you've done. Um, the exciting things that have happened with us, uh, you know, we've recently been able to purchase actually a building uh, that, that we now own. Um, well, us and the bank own it, but um, <laughs> we're working towards owning it. God, God's blessed us in that way. And through circumstance, we have Leah here, and, and I'm going to give her a few minutes to share a little bit about what's been going on with her, but that original vision of, of a retreat center that, that um, Janine and, and her husband Bob had felt called to, um, 23 years later, um, God, God has worked in a way, and I, I'm going to allow Leah to share a little bit about, about what she's been up to. Good morning. It's great to be here this morning. Um, so I joined the By Peaceful Water staff team three weeks ago. Um, so I'm very new. I've yet to meet Diane and I haven't met very many of the staff, but I'm so grateful and excited to be here this morning. And um, so I've been invited on the By Peaceful Water staff team to provide therapy, but also to sort of join in this vision that Ryan mentioned about creating this healing retreat space for addictions and helping bring that vision to life. So I've been in, worked in the field of addiction for 11 years, and the topic of addiction uh, can bring a whole spectrum of emotions, opinions, thoughts, fears, experiences to the table. And in general, it's a topic that people prefer to avoid or are shy away from. When it comes to addiction, some people might think that's sort of an outsider or a them issue. Um, yet I have learned that addiction doesn't discriminate. It can impact folks in any area and walk in life, either themselves as individuals or, or people that we love. And often in our Western society, when it's a challenge or a problem like addiction or mental health, we focus on symptom management. As, um, as sort of how to, how to support folks. Yet experience has shown me that these challenges go deeper than just the symptoms, and they don't simply impact the individual. They impact everybody who loves them. And so doing individual healing work is necessary and beneficial, yet it doesn't need to end there. And God created us and wired us for connection. Connection with God, connection with others, and relationship. And so I believe that the opportunity for healing and, and freedom happens most fully within relationship. With that said, we believe God is calling by peaceful waters, sort of bringing to life this vision that Janine and Bob were given, you know, 29 years ago, back in 1994, like Ryan mentioned, um, and to just create a safe, sacred retreat space for families, a healing space to step away from the busyness of life, deepen connection with others, while inviting the light and transformative power of Jesus into whatever dynamics, hurts, addictions, or situations people may be bringing. 
So we don't know exactly what this looks like. Like I said, I've been on staff for three weeks, um, but we're, we're very excited and we are seeking God in this and just delight in that God does know the plan. God does have a big picture plan and we don't necessarily know it yet, yet we're walking forward in faith. And we're inviting others. We feel called that God has asked us to really hold this vision with openness, with open hands, um, and inviting others into this vision with us. And so with that said, I'm grateful to be here today and just want to um, invite you into this vision. So this is an invitation for you to pray with us and for us for this vision an invitation to complete a survey down the road to help us discern and the needs within the church and a clear focus for these retreats, and also an invitation, Lord willing, when the time comes, to prayerfully consider attending or volunteering in some capacity at one of these healing retreats. Um, so we have really sensed God's heart over each step of this journey to be one of prayer and also one of listening and waiting. And so we don't want to rush this or attach our own agenda to this, to this sort of um, process. And one staff member recently um, heard God say regarding this vision, be quiet enough to listen and brave enough to walk it out. So it's with that spirit and intent that we invite you to get excited about this vision and if you feel prompted or nudged to do so. And we desire to be guided by the Holy Spirit, humbly asking, listening, and praying as we plan, believing God will use this space to foster healing and ignite hope and renew relationships within families. Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. To God be the glory, so thank you so much, and deep peace to each of you. Thanks, Leah. And we're very excited about um, how we've already seen God leading in this way, and um, we'll watch to see where things go. Um, it's a daunting thing to stand up here this morning and um, suppose to speak to you on behalf of God. Um, and I am so, I feel so unworthy to be able to do it, but um, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to do it as well. Um, and so, before we get into it, would you? Join with me just, just to pray and invite God. Father, we thank you this morning, and we come um, humbly to you, asking that you would speak to us this morning. God, you've given access to you through your Son to be bold enough to come and to ask these sort of things of you. Father, you know me, you know my heart, you know my failings. In spite of that, God, you've, you've called me to yourself. Um, and so, Father, as I open your word this morning, would my words be tied to your words because your words are truth. People don't need to hear from me this morning. They need to hear from you. So, God, would you minimize anything that I would have to say and would you elevate what comes from your word and what is truth? Would that impact the hearts and lives of each one in here for our good and, and for your ultimate glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So 
this morning, um, Diane asked, uh, what are you speaking on? I said, well, I've got a very broad topic. It's called From Disconnection to Connection. And um, she said, well, where are, you, where are you speaking from? I said, well, I'm going to bounce around the Bible a lot, but I'm going to focus mostly in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, because I think that sets the stage for understanding who we are as people and um, where we can go from that. Um, so I want, I want you to think, first of all, of a time that you have felt deeply connected to someone. When, when we're very young, our first connection is, is most often with our parents. Um, they're the ones that care for us. We often feel safe with them. Um, as you get older, maybe it's a best friend that you've had. You get a little older, maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a spouse. Um, what makes us feel connected is that you feel like you can share anything. You're free to talk to them. You're free to be yourself. There's a deep feeling of connectedness. Is there someone in your life that you can picture who, who you've had that with? I remember for me, one, one that really stands out was when I got married to my wife. Um, the, the excitement of the wedding, the joy of it, and, and just that sense of being so closely connected with another person. I got, I got my best friend for life now. And everything's going to be so wonderful. The, the naivety of, of the wedding day and, and getting married. But I want you to contrast that with um, a time that you've felt incredibly hurt or let down by someone. And maybe that person is our parents. Maybe that is a best friend. Maybe that's a breakup with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I'm sure you can remember the sense of loneliness and disconnectedness you felt in that. Feeling of being misunderstood, a grief and a sadness that comes with that. And that didn't take long into our, our marriage for me to experience some of that with my wife. I'm gonna share this story. The first, first night we were married and um, we go to brush our teeth and my wife grabs the tube of toothpaste and she goes right from the middle, <laughs> right from the middle. And because I love her, because I care about her, because I want her to be successful in life, <laughs> as her husband, I felt I should let her know, here's, here's the proper way to do toothpaste. <laughs> so we, we started at the bottom and we work it up to the top. And I went to bed so satisfied with myself that night, thinking I have helped her, her life will be so much better on, on account of me. And we got up the next day, and didn't she squeeze it in the middle again? <laughs> right from the middle. I said, hey, we talked about this last night. Here's how we do it. And this went on. Now, this, this sounds ridiculous, um, this story. Uh, who is this person that I've married? You know, um, we, we fought about toothpaste. Now, she probably doesn't remember this nearly as vividly as I do. I don't think she remembers any of it, in fact, because it was my issue. Um, but I, I remember the sense of, of feeling, you know, what's, what's wrong? Does she not love me enough that she would do it this way? I'm sure she was thinking, why does this guy care so much about toothpaste? <laughs> there, there, is, there was a sense of disconnection that I felt at that moment, and, and it, it, it felt foreign, and it felt really weird and uncomfortable. And I moved from this place 
of really feeling deeply connected on the wedding day to feeling this tension. And, and it's, you know, people, people have experienced so much more tension and, and discord than that. Um, but but it was, it was a, an indication to me and something that I wrestled with for a long time. And if we're honest, we have that deep longing to be connected with people deeply and to feel like they know us. But often, we feel that tension of that disconnection. And I think we all ask two fundamental questions. One is, am I worth loving? And two is an even harder question, which is, if you really knew me, would you still love me? If you really knew what was going on inside of me, would you still love me? And these are really questions of, of connection. And I think God's word has a lot to say to us about disconnection and connection. And so I want to look to the source of, of truth for us this morning as, as we look at these things. So I'm going to give you three points, and I'm going to give you right off the bat, and then we'll talk through them. My three points this morning are, number one, we were created to be connected. And we were created to be connected first with God and then with each other. Point number two is our connection has been disrupted, and it's been disrupted first with God and then with each other. And my third point is God has made a way for us to be connected again, first with him and then with each other. So let's jump in. Point number one, we were created to be connected. If we look in the narrative at the beginning of the Bible about the creation of mankind, of the world, of everything we see, Genesis 1.26 says, Let us make mankind in our image. We're created to be connected to God. Let us make mankind in our image. In the image of God, we are created. First of all, God comes and he says, I'm, I'm going to make someone... I'm going to make humanity, and they're going to reflect who I am. If we look at who God was, um, one of the things we know is that he was perfectly connected in the Trinity. There was perfect harmony for God between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And this sets the foundation for us as human beings for being connected. Jesus says in John 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. They're one person. When we think of marriage, what God calls it is a one, a one flesh union. We become one. We're designed for connection. We see the connection further in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. That God actually came and he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. This is Genesis 3, 8. Then they heard the Lord, and we see it all capitalized like that, Lord, that the, the term is Yahweh, which is the personal name of God. He refers to himself personally to Adam and Eve. He knows them. He walked with them. There was a relationship between them where they would walk and they would talk together. And God would meet with Adam. He'd bring the Adam, animals for Adam to name. There was a deep connection between Adam and Eve and God. And not only were we made and created to be connected with God, but he also gave us a connection with other people. We're, we're at the point now where we're starting to unravel some of the mysteries of the mind, and I think we're only scratching the surface, but, but we have this understanding of something that, that's called motor neurons, God, or, or sorry, mirror neurons. God's created us with these mirror neurons. 
And they believe that this is the basis for empathy, being able to feel what other people are feeling. And if, if any of you have ever watched America's Funniest Videos or, or seen a show where a kid takes a baseball bat and swings at a ball and misses and hits their parent or someone across the face, all of us immediately go, Ugh. I could feel, you, could, you can almost feel what's going on in the video. Um, God has created us with this unique capacity, even in our biology, to be connected with other people. Um, but in the beginning, God looked at it and said, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, um, it is not good for man to be alone. God looked at Adam, all the other creatures that he had made, had, a, had helper suitable, and Adam had no one. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. I want him to be connected. Um, I want him connected with me, but he also needs to be connected with other people. Um, and, and Genesis 2.25 goes on to say, the man and the wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There was a deep connection that they had. There was, there was no pretense. There was no issue that stood between the two of them. They were completely themselves with one another. That's how God created it. And when my heart hears that, it says, that is exactly what I want. I want to feel that bond and that connection with people around me. And unfortunately, this is really the only time in in our human history where that level of connection existed. Um, This is how God created us. Um, He created us to be connected to him and to those he put around us. This is also where the story takes a bit of a turn. And this is point number two. Our connection with God has been disrupted, has been damaged. So we long for this desire. We long for the connection in our lives, but we also know that we don't always have it. We know when we feel disconnected. We know when we feel like God is upset with us. We know when we've hurt other people or when we've been hurt by other people. Like my story earlier about the toothpaste, this, this put a wedge between my wife and I. And it, it sounds ridiculous that, that it was about toothpaste, but it put this little wedge between us. There's something that was disconnecting us. If we look at Genesis again, chapter 3, verse 10, we find that we're distant from God. God comes like he usually would to meet with Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, um, uh, sorry, we'll go, go back to verse 9. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? This is the first point of disconnection, the the first feeling of that tension for Adam and Eve. We have been distant from God, and sin has entered the equation. We have said, God, I know you've said this, but here's what what I'm going to do. And that has driven this wedge between us and God. And the first response, if you, see, if you see what happens for Adam and Eve, the first response out of this is that they hide. They hide themselves. They say, I don't want you to see me right now. I'm naked. I'm exposed. 
don't see me. This is something that they've, they've never felt or experienced before. They, they experienced for the first time. And not only from God did they hide, but they hid from each other. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, their first move, after they eat the fruit, then their eyes, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they not only hid from God, they hid from each other. They said, I, I, I feel this exposure. I, I can't be vulnerable. And I think if you look through the rest of the scripture, the rest of the Bible is the story of God working in our lives to come and to give us opportunity to be connected to him. It is all his work that he does. He comes to us. And I think of the story of David and Bathsheba. And you, you know, for, for, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story where David makes the decision. I like that woman over there. I'd like her to be mine. So he goes and he lays with her. And she becomes pregnant. And David's first inclination is to cover it up, to run away from it. The shame and guilt that he feels, he, his, he runs away. So he sinned against Bathsheba. Then the next thing that he does is he calls home her husband and tries to cover it up by having her, him stay with his wife. And he says, well, while my brothers are out on the battlefield, I'm, I'm not going to come home and enjoy the comforts. Puts David in an awkward position. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against the husband. Brings Joab, the, the leader of his army, into it. And he tells him, David, or David says to Joab, I want you to take this guy Uriah the Hittite. I want you to put him up at the front of the lines. Uriah gets killed. And then David can take, um, take Bathsheba into his, into his home. And nobody's any the, wise, any the wiser. And God exposes all of this through a prophet. And Psalm 51 is a response of David to this. And what he says in this, you think of all of the people that were hurt. David's response to this is to say in Psalm 51 verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned. And there's a recognition that all of the sin that we do is ultimately against God and that the people around us just become collateral damage in our ruptured relationship with God. People get hurt, people get killed. It all comes from that disconnection with God. We see it in our own lives, relationships with parents and children, husbands and wives, friends, neighbors, work relationships. We see the damage, I see it in my own life. And what happens is shame enters the equation. And if we're to define shame, I, I, look, I look this up. I'm not smart enough to come up with this kind of a definition on my own. It says, shame is a painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, or impropriety. And guilt says, I've done something wrong. What shame does is it comes in and says, I am wrong. I am the thing that is wrong. Where guilt, we can say, I've done this wrong thing. I can come to you, I can apologize, we can make restitution. Shame internalizes that and says, I am inherently the issue. And I think the reality is that we experience shame 
because we know that we don't measure up to God's standard for our lives. We know like Adam and Eve did, that God sees us and knows us, knows what's going on in the inside, and we don't like it, so we do whatever we can to run from it and to hide. We hide from others as well, because we know the shame that we feel. The, the thinking goes like this, if, if people really knew, and, and this comes back to the question I asked at the end, if people really knew me or knew what I did, they wouldn't want anything to do with me. So we feel this burden that we have to hide those pieces of ourselves. There's a deep fear and a disconnection that comes out of that. And Satan knows how to play on that. He, use, he leverages that all the time. And he's the one sitting there saying, man, if people actually knew that, they would want nothing to do. If, if God knew that, he would want nothing to do with you. And we wrestle with this so deeply. And, and out of that, again, our response is just to hide it from other people. We live with all these things, and we, we feel this need to hide it and cover ourselves and wear a mask. And in the work that we do at By Peaceful Waters, we sit with people who deal with shame so deeply they feel the need to hide. They feel like they can't be connected with people. It's a terrifying prospect to consider that disconnection. And so much of what we try and do, I find is that we just try and feel better for a little bit. We try and do something to take the edge off of that. And sometimes we believe it's better just not to feel at all than to feel that sense of disconnection and we're stuck. We need to wear the mask. We need to put on the smile. There's no transparency. There's no vulnerability. Social media has um, amplified this a million times. I see, I see, we see kids come in through our doors so regularly that are so anxious and worried and don't measure up to what other people do. They say, I, I can't let people actually know, so I have to portray this image. Some people take on unhealthy patterns, addictions, self-loathing, poor relationships, and all of that points to this disconnection that we feel. And I think it goes right back to our first parents in Adam and Eve. And I think in the biggest challenge of all of this is that we know there's issues with us and we don't know what to do with them all the time. And this brings us to point three, that God has provided a way for us to be connected again. This is the, this is the most glorious news that we have to share. And this is why we gather on a Sunday morning. We rehearse this week in, week out. So we're, we've been disconnected from God and apart from God, we live disconnected from others, and we live without hope. And our deepest need is to be connected again. And thankfully, God knew that this challenge was coming, and he had a plan to deal with it. And this is the good news of the gospel. And I, I want to rehearse this this morning again, because I think we never, we never outgrow our need for the gospel. It will never and so often, I think, we have an understanding of what the gospel means for us historically, the point that we were saved. We have an understanding of what the gospel means for us in the future, that we will eventually 
spend time in heaven. It's how do we take the gospel and apply it to the right now, the moments where, where we're struggling and there are challenges. And so I want to rehearse this. As we, as we already looked, God created everything, and he made it good. He created us to be connected with him. And we made a choice, and we continue to make choices that separates us from, us, from him. Our, our own sinful hearts desire things. We, we say, my life would be better if you would just do the toothpaste my way. <laughs> um, we, we, we hurt other people. We feel hurt by other people. And we shut down. We live disconnected. But God knew this and had a plan. He sent his only son. And in the greatest act of injustice in history, he was put to death. The one who had no guilt and no shame and nothing to hide and lived in perfect communion and connection with God was put to death. He faced the ultimate disconnection from his father. And in his death, we see it. When on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the agony and the pain, the most torturous death that we could imagine. He was put to death to cover our sins. And this doesn't sound like good news at this point. But this is where it gets unbelievably good, is that he didn't stay in the tomb. But he rose to life, overcoming the shame that accompanied his death. He appeared to people that were living with him, cowering in fear and shame, disconnected, wondering what's next. And he connected with them and empowered them to go out. And the reason we're sitting here today because God preserved a group of men, the unlikeliest of men, to go out and build his church on. And he's given us the opportunity to be relieved of that guilt and that shame and that disconnection. First with himself and then with others. Our role in it is to recognize the parts of ourselves that are broken and sinful. And all we have to do is confess it, believe in what he said, and turn from it. And we're provided the opportunity to be deeply connected with him again. And what happens when we're connected with God we can connect with others. There's a pastor that, that has been influential in my life, and he shares this analogy. He said, I mean, imagine the solar system that we live in. And at the center of our little solar system here is the sun. And the sun is 109 times the size of the earth. And I went into social work and not physics, so I'm not a math guy. But one of the things I understand is that the larger something is, the greater the gravitational pull that it has. And the sun is so much larger than the earth that it has a gravitational pull that keeps earth spinning around it and all of the planets. And the analogy he gives is um, when we keep Christ 
and the sacrifice of Jesus as the sun at the center of our life, that all the planets of the solar system of our life will continue to orbit in their right place. Relationships with friends, with family, with spouses, with work, with money, all of those pieces are held in their right place when we live in a right relationship with God. The outworking of this great news of the gospel is that when we know we're totally connected and our eternal destination is secure, we're free to take off the mask and we're free to be who we are. We can live lives of transparency and vulnerability. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But when we try and present that to other people, we live with that burden. And we have the freedom in the gospel to know nothing that happens to me in this earth can have any bearing on me. And there's a freedom. We're drawn to people. I, th- I think, I think if, you, if you consider this, the people that we are most attracted to so often is the people that live genuine and transparent lives. I can think of several people in my life who, when you meet them, they are the same person moment by moment. They, they don't feel the need to hide their shame. They talk about it. And when we live that way, people are drawn to us and the burden disappears. God has given us these relationships to help us care for one another and to be cared for and be supported. And what a gift that is. And so we can circle back to the two questions we asked at the beginning. And we know that the answer to the question, the first question, am I worth loving, is a resounding yes because of what Jesus has done on the cross. While we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, he came to us and said, I love you enough that I'm willing to give my life in exchange for your freedom. Yes, I'm worth loving. God proved his love for us in this. He paid the cost that we could never afford and has given us free access to himself again. And the answer to the second question, if you really knew me, would you still love me, is also yes. God does know you. And he frees you from the shame and the guilt that we live with and we experience. We don't need to hide the challenges or the struggles that we face any longer. We all walk through them. And when we come together and, and there's, a, there's an openness and a freedom and a vulnerability, we get to see ourselves through God's eyes and we get to then look at others through God's eyes. We're filled by God to, to give. And so we come to grips with our own feelings of disconnection. We come to terms with them. We realize we are connected and we can never be disconnected. And then out of that freedom, we have the opportunity to share that with others. Um, And when I look back on my wife and I, the toothpaste story, what I realized is it had nothing to do with toothpaste and everything to do with what was going on for me underneath the surface. My feelings of insecurity and unworthiness and disconnection And my thinking was, well, do you really love me? 
And I, I did everything I could to not share that vulnerability. It just stayed about toothpaste. If I was really smart, I would have sprung for a $1.25 second tube of toothpaste and let her squeeze it how she wanted to. <laughs> it was, didn't, didn't make it that far. But, um, but what, what I was really wrestling with underneath the toothpaste was those sen that sense of disconnection and unworthiness. And as, I, as I've come, as I've grown, and I'm not there yet, I'm still in process, as I've come and I've, I've grown, I can look at the things that sit inside me and I can move it away from a conversation about toothpaste and more to what's going on in my heart, to express vulnerability and openness and to share that with those around me. Um, and that is because of the goodness of God and his grace in my life. And, and that is my prayer for you guys as a church and for each of you individually. Um, you join me in prayer as we close. Father, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. And we come unworthy to be called your children, but God, you saw fit in your grace and mercy to call us, to change us, to give us a new heart. But I pray for those who know you and believe in you. I pray that this work would continue to change them and alter them. And if there's the people here today, God, that don't have that relationship with you, God, I pray that they would come to know the peace and the joy and the freedom that comes in being connected with you, in being loved by you, in being secure. God, thank you that you have given us a way to move from disconnectedness to connectedness. God, would we cherish that but thank you for this church. Thank you for their faithful witness. And God, I pray that you would bless them. Thank you for this service and this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.